Hey, this is Scott Heinem with Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. This is Ronald Guzman for the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today we are doing Q&A. Q&A, I put it out day before yesterday. We're going to do some questions and answers. Um, I've gotten some good questions in here that we'll answer, and I'll read off whose names they were, and we'll try to answer them as best we can. Also, before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about what's already happened uh, with the Texas Rangers this offseason, the winter meetings, things that are happening uh, like that. Just a little bit of touch on that before we get into the Q&A. But we'll do all of that right after this. This is Ryan Doro of the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Hey, this is Tyler Phillips with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Okay, everyone. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Ryan. And today's episode is a Q&A. That's what we're going to do. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit of winter meetings. What all has gone on so far? Um, I know the biggest news that, that that's come on right now, the Corey Kluber trade, uh, which was a great answer for the Rangers. Uh, I mean, let's just be really honest about that. That move was, I don't think we saw it coming. Um, this was sort of in response to what happened with uh, without getting Rendon. And I, there was a lot of, lot of people, golly, Twitter blew up when uh, a lot of mad people went when they didn't get uh, Rendon. And, and look, I, I'm a guy that wanted Rendon. If Rendon would have signed here, for the equivalent of what he signed with the Angels, I would obviously be a happy camper. But the thing that 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 I got, I got into some Twitter wars with some people, was essentially people that were saying, "Look, the Rangers didn't offer enough. They they weren't even in the ballpark. The Rangers were the second highest offer offered to the uh, to Scott Boris and, and and Anthony Rendon. They were the second highest offer. Everyone comes in and goes, well, we already know that uh, Boris said there were four or five seven year offers." Well, you know, that's Scott Boris. Scott Boris has to make people think that he had a lot of offers. Have you noticed that? Here's the question I keep asking. The only two offers that have been made public of what they were, the years and all of that, was the offer that the Rangers made and the offer that the Angels made, which was seven years, $245 million, which was, in other words, it was $35 million a year AAV. The Rangers offered $32 million a year AAV for a six-year offer and then had a option for a seventh year now i'm after doing a little it's what i thought um i went back and i've listened to john daniels talk about it i've heard evan grant talk about it i've heard a lot of people i've done some exploring on it to figure out it seems to me that they never got back to uh to the rangers to give them any sort of chance now, now every well let, let's clarify something else too that everyone keeps talking about everyone also keeps talking about that uh well, the Rangers went in and lowballed because they, you know, we know that Washington offered seven years at $210 million. People forget that offer was no longer on the table. So, you know, they like to argue. And they argued over and over. You can't say that the Rangers were the second best offer because Washington had the second best offer at seven years, $210 million. That offer was not on the table, guys. I know you want to think that offer was there. That offer was made 
during the season, they tried to extend him before he made right after the season, and they tried to send uh, extend him. They made an offer to him. He denied the offer. He wanted to hit free agency, and so that offer was no longer there. In fact, the Nationals went out and signed Strasburg, so they were not coming back to Rendon. The offer for seven years, two hundred ten million dollars, that was no longer there. So John Daniel did not know he was. He he knew he wasn't bidding against the Nationals. The Angels came into the picture. If you want to be mad at someone about this entire thing, be mad at the Yankees. Yankees went nine years, $324 million. And what happened with Artie Marino over in uh, Anaheim is something that happened all the time with him. He always feels like if he, he is the worst at, at going out and, and overpaying for someone after he loses out on the one he thought he was going to get. Every rumor everywhere that was out there talked about the Angels were going to be where Garrett Cole was going to go. They all linked him there. They were going to go there. Uh, the, the Angels let it be known that they were going to go there. They were going to do it. And uh, so when they went, uh, the Yankees came in, they go nine years, $324 million. They weren't. They weren't going to be outspent. The Angels turned their attention, kind of the way the Rangers did with Beltre, turned their attention to Rendon and overpaid for him. I'm going to be honest with you. They overpaid for him. They're going to have him at 37 years old, uh, 36 years old, at $35 million a year. Look at what they've got $30 million a year right now on Pujols, and he is not performing at that level. They overpaid for Gary Matthews Jr. Remember that when that happened with Gary Matthews Jr.? Josh Hamilton overpaid for it. C.J. Wilson they overpaid for. The Angels like to go out and spend big money, and they have no rotation and I'm telling you right now Rendon is a great piece and he is him and Trout in that lineup is going to be awesome but that's about it I mean let's be honest they've got a stout lineup they got a better lineup than the Rangers and they're going to have a better lineup just because they have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon it doesn't matter who else they put into the situation but if you don't have a pitcher that can hold anyone below five or six runs you're going to have a problem and they don't have starting pitching now they're out trying to get it but they're losing out on that deal and, and it's not happening so and, and so where Daniels is coming from on this situation Daniels came into the situation knowing that there was a lot of talk if y'all don't remember this I mean uh, Ken Rosenthal was talking about it uh, Joe Sheehan a couple people were talking saying hey there is a chance that Rendon doesn't want to play more than five or six years. It's been it's been put out there, and it could be part of the reason he turned down the Washington deal. He didn't know if he wanted to commit to seven years. Now, that turned out to be wrong. That info was wrong, but they were thinking he had made it known that he might not want to to, to play or extend that long. Scott Boris, being his agent, wasn't going to allow that to happen and 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 go out for the most money anyway. So the deal was, and, and let me tell you right now, I, I'm going to tell you now, Anthony Rendon, although all the word out there was that he might want to get back to Texas, he didn't. It didn't matter to Anthony Rendon where he went. He did not have some preference to come back to Texas. In fact, he apparently thought that he could that he could do better and have a better chance of winning in Anaheim than he could in Texas, and that's his opinion. I mean, look, right now, right now, the Texas Rangers should be slotted ahead of them in the American League West. Everyone's behind the Astros and the A's. The A's are going to be good too. But right now, the Angels are third at best, and they're barely either they're right there with the Rangers or right below them or right above them. These are two even teams. That lineup does not have a starting rotation. And no, you know, they keep saying, well, now with that that, uh, left side of the infield there, maybe they can get some some of these soft-tossing lefties. But it looks like Rue 
is going to end up with the Washington Nationals, or no, they I think they were talking about with going back to the uh, Dodgers. But in any case, or no, the Braves. I think that's where I'm. I'm everybody's rumored to go everywhere right now. But the Angels are in a pickle right now. They need to pull off a trade. Everyone thought they were going to get Kluber. I was worried. It, it, all the talks were that they were going to get Corey Kluber. And all of a sudden, John Daniels. And comes in, and John Daniels comes in. And let me tell you what the difference was. You know, the, the Angels have more prospects that could have gotten Kluber than the Rangers do. But let me tell you the difference. And this is another reason why it may be good not to have Anthony Rendon. I guarantee you the prospects that were sit out there by the uh, by the Angels were probably better than Classe and with which who by the way the the, the uh, let's be honest and, and we know this too that uh, Cleveland loves Classe that's the that was the key to this trade was Classe the Shields was just thrown in for the roster spot and and they needed a fourth outfielder and they're wanting to get a little better in the outfield and, and I like the Shields I think the Shields will do well but the situation there was. The no matter what the prospects were that they were offering the Angels, they were asking the Cleveland to eat salary. They wanted them to eat some of the salary because they had just committed two hundred forty-five million dollars to to Anthony Rendon, and the Indians looked at Classe and over here and said, and the Rangers said, "Hey, we'll eat the whole thing. We'll pay his salary and next year's, and and we're not worried about the salary." And that's why they ended up going with that offer. So that's another reason why you have to watch your purse strings. And now the Angels were just coming up against the luxury tax. The Rangers were just trying to be fiscal, but the Rangers knew they could take it on. And with Kluber, so now where do they go from here? Well, there's all this talk about what the Rangers are going to do and where they're going to go from here. Obviously, Josh Donaldson doesn't look like the Rangers are going there. It looks like he's going to sign with the Nationals is kind of where that's fallen. But someone's going to go four years on Donaldson. I personally think we should go four years on Donaldson, but I understand if they don't because, you know, that puts him at 37 years old, 38 at $25 million a year. Um, I, I just think that, you know, he'd probably be a DH at that point. Chu is going to be gone. We have the money to do it, but you're, there's something about it that, that they're just not on board with. And you know what? Ownership gives so much money to spend. The Rangers are going to spend money. There's a lot of talk about Castellanos coming over uh, from, uh, you know, he's a free agent from the Cubs. In that situation, he would probably play first base. He played outfield last year. That's a great bat to add, but he would have to be a first baseman. And then you got Guzman. What do you do there? So that would be, in that situation, they would at least be platooning and uh, or, you know, back and forth and Castellanos. Castellanos would move around. He can play some outfield. He can DH on against left-handers uh, and stuff like that. So you know, there's there's different things that that can happen there. Uh, there's also been some talk of uh, of going after uh, a trade with Chris Bryant. Um, that's a big one right there. I don't think they want to go with Bryant. Bryant's got this. Uh, he's got this grievance right now with the uh, with the uh, uh, Cubs that they they. They manipulated his time, and so their their thing. And so he's got this grievance, and they've got to see he may be, uh, he may actually be able to be a free agent after next year instead of 2021. Now Arenado is one, and 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 man, Arenado is one to watch. Now listen, we got questions, and I'll answer them there on that. But I, I think Arenado could 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 be someone too that they look at. But let's get into the questions. We said this was going to be a Q&A, so we're going to get into it. We're going to answer them as best we can. Let's go. Cindy Jacobs. Cindy um, always gets in here when she says this. Do you think the owners will let J.D. spend a large amount of money this year? Any chance the owners want to sell the team? 
Cindy, I don't know um, on selling the team. I've heard some stuff about that they might look to sell the team, especially after the new stadium's in and they kick in. I know everyone wants them to wants them to sell the team. Uh, whether they are or not, I haven't heard anything concrete. That seems to be it. The owners are letting JD spend some money. Now they are putting a budget out there. Now they're they're trying to keep it within a certain amount, but they are allowing them to spend the money. Um, that in the case in point was with Rendon. Um, they, you know, the Rangers uh, committed, you know, thirty-two million a year for six years. They were willing to go a seventh. They might have guaranteed a seventh uh, to go there, you know, for another thirty-two if they were given a chance. Boris never came back to them um, for that deal. So yes, I think they are allowing him to spend money, but they're not just giving him an open checkbook. They do try to stay somewhat fiscal, but the look, they've got to raise the payroll. And, and that's what they need to do. And that's a good question. But I think they are going to allow them to spend money. Uh, it's just a matter. I think the best deal they're going to make right now might be something with a trade. Um, Joe Siegler, do you think uh, when the season opens, uh, will we open with Mathis and Trevino at catcher? If we don't open with those, then who? Wow, this could go a lot of places. Uh, Evan Grant answered your question today. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with Evan on a lot of it. Personally, there's something in my gut tells me that more than likely Trevino and Mathis are on the opening day roster. I think that's who they do start with. I think Trevino, they're looking to get about 100 games out of him and maybe 62 out of out of Mathis. Um, it, it could If they don't, Go with Mathis. Look, Trevino's going to be there. If they don't go with Mathis, it means that they have not gotten the big deal they really wanted, and they've spent some money on catcher going there. Uh, but you know, they've got you got Torinos out there. You've got uh, Castro out there. Um, there's talk about Contreras trading for with the Cubs. That would be a big contract to eat. Um, so there might be something working there. My personal gut tells me, Joe, that I think that it'll be Mathis and Trevino. And look. Catcher, like like Evan said, catcher was a horrible position for the Rangers last year. It, it really was just a bad position. Um, they need an upgrade. Trevino's a big upgrade because they really didn't have anyone besides Mathis. They IKF Isaiah Kiner-Falifa was who they wanted to do it, and he just look as good as Kiner-Falifa is. He's a great emergency catcher back there, but uh, he you know he, catcher's not his thing. He's just not really a catcher. So you know that it's it. I, I think. Personally, I do. Okay, Ranger News asked. Ranger News, do you think Kluber has the bounce-back season after injury-filled 2019? Prediction for who is opening day third baseman and the favorite Ranger of the decade? That's three questions there. Okay, do I think Kluber will bounce back? I do think Kluber will bounce back. I don't think he'll be Cy Young, Corey Kluber. He's 34 years old. Although, look at Verlander, what Verlander's doing. What is he, 36, 35, 36? I think Kluber will bounce back. That injury broke his arm. He got hit by a line drive last year, and it broke his fibula or whatever you call it there. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not exactly sure what it's called. Anyway, that put him out, and then when he started, he, look, he didn't He didn't start off good. He made about six or seven starts. He had a 5.80 ERA, but he's notorious for starting slow. In fact, the year that he won the Cy Young, 2017, he had a point. 5.09 in his first five or six starts before he ended up with a 2.24 ERA and won 20 games. 
He's notoriously a slow starter. Now, Kluber told him the other day in the interview, uh, he did an interview on phone. He was on vacation, so they didn't hold a press conference uh, at the at the ballpark. And he told them that he, you know, he's been so ready to get back. He's already started working out. He usually starts his program in December. He started in November. Um, John Daniels and a lot of scouts and people talking thought that uh, the rest probably did him good, and it will bring him back. His his fastball dropped. Normally his fastball uh, sits about 92 to 93, and it was sitting 91 to 92 at the beginning of last year. Maybe the rest will do something with that and, and do better with that. So we'll see. But I uh, let's see, what else did you ask? Prediction for who the opening day third baseman is. Okay, opening day third baseman. Prediction. Okay, let's make a couple. First of all, I think there's a slight chance. I, I think there there could be a slight chance that it's uh, Arenado. Could be. Um, but if I had to just totally go out with my gut um, and, and say, you know, who's going to be the third baseman, I'm probably looking at someone like Frazier. Todd Frazier might be someone that they sign. Um, I think it's the last resort. If they can't make a good deal and they don't get Donaldson, um, I think that's where they go is 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 Frazier or maybe Danny Santana. Um um, and I, and that's not necessarily bad, uh, although, you know, you're depending on Santana to be the guy he was last year, and we don't know if he's going to be. Uh, but depending on where they go, if they go get a center fielder and they go get a uh, go get another first baseman and a couple of right-handed bats, maybe Santana goes over. He's played some third. He's not great over there. Um, but uh, if, So I'm going to make a prediction. Nolan Arenado. That's, there's my prediction right there. Favorite Ranger of the decade? My favorite Ranger of the decade was Adrian Beltre. And I've said that before. Uh, Jamie Newberg and I are kind of on the same page with, with, with Beltre. This guy brought so much joy to the game. He was such a joy to watch. He just had the biggest grin on his face every time he was out there. I just loved uh, Adrian Beltre. Michael Young was a close second. Um, Elvis is so friendly. I'm, you know, I've gotten to meet these guys and talk with them. I really like Elvis. But Adrian Beltre for me, I haven't met Beltre. I've only passed him a couple times we've been on the field together at the the last game but I, I haven't sat down and got to talk with adrian but just looking at, at everything you know that beltre does uh that that's you know I, I just love the guy uh jonathan wilson who is the one player you would trade on this team and why wow okay i had to think about this one uh i had to think about this one and uh after they got kluber look there's the the one that if I was if someone came to me and they held a gun to my head and said go out there and you need to trade one of these guys you've got to trade somebody um, I believe that my trade would probably be Miner Mike Miner um, with Kluber there now you got Kluber Lynn uh, you've got three left handers that are going to be in the AAA rotation that could be that fifth spot um look i want minor to be here on the team but you're you're asking me who would i trade if i had to trade someone i would probably get minor i think you could take minor move him up to possibly someone like uh the yankees maybe uh that are you know they they would love another good rotation piece and they've got a couple of guys there they've got uh, andahar someone like that that they might be willing to trade off with minor uh and send him uh, andahar would be somebody who'd probably play some first base he, he does play third base he's not a good third baseman who's a good bat but if you could get andahar for minor i i think i could get on board with that if i had to trade somebody uh, but look the this is the deepest this rotation's ever been with with kluber here uh th this is uh 
This is the deepest it's been. I'm sorry. They've got a solid five starting rotation. They've got three or four guys that are going to be at AAA. Um, they've got – there's a guy you – know, you, you've always got to have this one guy, and it's this one guy that can start for you when you need him to, and they can uh, go long relief or whatever. And that guy for AAA is going to be Tim Dillard. Uh, they signed him again, and that's uh, – and nobody knows this. Tim Dillard what Tim Dillard has is, is punched out 16 years in the minor leagues. And let me tell you who Tim Dillard reminds me of at the end of his career was Mike Bassick. Mike Bassick used to play, he kind of ended his career going up and down between the major leagues and AAA, and in AAA he was usually that guy that when someone got called up to the major leagues, they had to throw him in to be the starter last minute. Tim Dillard does a lot of that. And then he was also a long relief guy at AAA, and he had had major league service, so he obviously got to to do that. Uh, Anyway, okay, Sean. He said, obviously, there is a wide debate amongst Ranger fans regarding the effectiveness of J.D. as the, J, as the GM. What are your thoughts on what he has done thus far this offseason? Does any past J.D. deal, free agent or trade, stand out to you? There's a lot to unravel here, but let's start that. Um, I am a J.D. guy. Now, listen, I'm a J.D. guy. This is the year that I start to watch. I think the Rangers have to finish above 78 wins. I think they need to be competitive going towards August, towards that wild card, and show the improvement over last year. And then going into 21, they need to really be they, – they need to be playing – I mean, going into it as a favorite. That's the way I've always felt about the Rangers on here and uh, and, and what they're doing. So uh, I, I, I like that part. Uh, of JD and I, I really, I really, uh, I, I, but I'm not opposed to starting to be critical if I don't see that kind of stuff by the end of this year. I will start to put up my red flag on JD. I love what he's always done. Look, this guy has overseen the best baseball. I know everyone likes to do the Nolan Ryan thing. That is the oldest debate in the book the Nolan Ryan versus JD and who was actually in control. I, I'll tell you, J, JD did all of it. I, Nolan Ryan had to sign off on it. He was the president of baseball operations, meaning anything was brought to him and he had to okay it. But JD was the one cutting. Nolan wasn't calling other GMs. Nolan wasn't cutting deals. He wasn't talking to free agents. He wasn't coaching. There was this big thing about him coaching. He gave suggestions about throwing batting practice and things he used to do. But he wasn't on the field doing stuff. He just wasn't. And so that part of JD I like. Does any JD deal or free agent deal or uh, anything there that stand out? So the trade, I think the trade that I like the most with J.D. over the years, it's real easy to go in and say the Teixeira trade just because that was a big part of the 2010-2011 World Series. They had four players off of that trade that ended up playing in those in, in those games. But I think the trade that I was impressed with, um, I was impressed with the Kluber trade. That was really nice, too. That came out of nowhere, and J.D. knew how to get that in. We And we basically gave away nothing for Kluber, but we're eating the contract. But I think the one that, that you have to be really impressed with was the Cliff Lee trade. And the reason that the Cliff Lee trade was so important is because the Rangers were in the middle of a bankruptcy at the time. So Cliff Lee was owed like $6 million, something like that. The Rangers could not take on any payroll. The Major League Baseball was not going to approve the trade if they had to take on any of the payroll. It had to even out to where their payroll wasn't raised because they were in the middle of a bankruptcy court. And they so they couldn't take anything on. Now, what people don't remember are the Yankees are the ones that actually had the deal in place. They had a deal in place 
for the uh, for Cliff Lee, and everyone knew he was going to go there. Um, JD had made some good offers to him. Um, uh, Seattle, he was he was with the Mariners at the time, and Seattle didn't really. They really wanted uh, Seattle. Really wanted uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Justin Smoke is who they wanted. They wanted Justin Smoke, and and so and JD wasn't putting Justin Smoke in it. But what happened? The 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 Yankees. One of the one of the guys in the Yankees. So so I, I did this piece about this first piece I ever wrote for Dallas Sports Nation, and the kind of the way they rated it out um, on these players and what they're worth and all of that. And so they, you know, if you had an A player or a double A player, a B player or whatever you want to call him as a prospect, the, the you know you had like your A prospect, which uh, was uh, the catcher, what's his name that that they were sending over the Yankees were, and they had a couple of good A minus prospects and then a B prospect that they were sending over and. One of the A-minus prospects that was coming over, uh, his physical didn't go well. And so they tried to come back and say, okay, well, you don't like that physical. They threw in another player, and it was another B player instead of the A-minus player. And so um, they, they kind of lowballed after that. Well, that opened the door. They put a call back into the Rangers, and the Rangers – and if y'all don't remember, I, I don't know if y'all remember, the Rangers weren't even winning the West at the time. They were a few games out. They were in second or third, but just like three or four games out. Wasn't even the All-Star break. We weren't even up to the trade deadline. And uh, they came back, and J.D. threw in smoke, uh, threw in Justin Smoke and stole that. It just came out of nowhere. That was a great trade, and uh, you give him credit on that. And not only that, when he threw in smoke, he said, we'll do it. You guys have got to eat the contract coming back because we can't take it on and Seattle did it. They really love smoke that much and that they did that and they ended up eating the contract. Um, as far as free agents go, I mean, Beltre was a huge free agent signing that, that came after Josh Hamilton. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Cliff Lee, that came after Cliff Lee didn't resign. It was kind of the same thing happened with the angels this year. Um, we, we were trying to sign Cliff Lee, um, Chuck Greenberg was now one of the owners. He flew up on his private jet and met uh, Cliff. Cliff was up and he lived in Arkansas at the time, um, trying to make that deal work. And uh, he, he couldn't get it done. And they, they, they didn't walk away with a deal. And it came down to it. When it came down to it, Cliff talked to his wife and uh, said, Hey, if you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? And she said, I'd like to go back to Philadelphia. So they went back to Philadelphia and said, Hey, what do we got to do to get us back there? Philadelphia uh, had already signed some big free agent pitchers. So Philly said we can't go more than five years. We'll do $25 million a year or whatever they went with. And Lee signed there, and he spurned the Rangers. Rangers offered him more money, but he, he wanted to go to Philadelphia. And that's where he went. So that um, – so that's what happened there. So Beltre was the second choice. So then they went in. Beltre was supposed to be going to the Angels, ironically enough. And the Angels wouldn't give him the extra year. And uh, so J.D. went to uh, to Michael Young, said, hey, if we got Beltre, would you move to first base? Michael Young, being a team player, said, hell yeah, I'll do it. You know, we'll, that will be a great team. And so they did it, signed Beltre, and the rest is history. Uh, a couple of other free agent signings. I like the Miner and Lynn trade, both of them. Were wonderful trades, you, you, and you have to understand how well JD did in this. Now, let me make sure you understand something. There's JD gets credit 
for when they sign these people, but it's all his scouting department who comes to him with their their ideas and what to do. JD was signing people like uh, you know, like Shelby Miller last year and Drew Smiley and Edison Vokez he put on a minor league deal and stuff like that. But when Mike Miner, he was a he was a brave at the time when he became a free agent coming out, he was he was really good when he was with the Royals, then he got hurt and he went to the Braves and he was coming back from injury and he had come out of the bullpen for the Braves and done really well. And in the free agent market, he was kind of like the deal this year for Gibson. That's kind of the way he was. Gibson or maybe Lyles, um, he had had a good coming out of the bullpen. He was stretching out, doing good. And the Rangers came to him and said, we want to sign you to a three-year deal, $10 million a year, but we want you to be a starter. Well, he wanted to be a starter again. And so that's why he came here. And so the the Rangers were offering multi-years on guys that they knew that they thought. Look at uh, Lance Lynn. They got Lance Lynn the same way. It's the exact same contract. Lance Lynn was getting offers from other people. But the Rangers said, we want you to start for three years here and be a starter at $10 million a year. Lynn signed, uh, found found his groove here. He's work, making it work here. So I like those trades. I'm really excited to see Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson. And what they can do. There were a lot, man. There were some. If y'all didn't watch what was happening after those two signed with the Rangers, um, man, baseball was like all the baseball talking heads were like, wow, the Rangers just went under the radar. They went in and stole a cup. There were a lot of people, a ton of people that were saying those guys were going to get signed. Those those were fallbacks for a lot of people. They were going to fall back. If we don't get, you know, Strasburg or we don't get uh, Wheeler or whoever, we'll fall back and we'll get Gibson or we'll get Jordan Lyles is another one we can get for pretty cheap. And the Rangers went in and snatched them up before anyone, and that kind of that kind of ruined the fallback because now they're having to look at people like, you know, they're, they're falling even further back. And they're looking at like Martin Perez and they're looking at uh, people like uh, – uh, Porcello and stuff like that. So, um, a pretty pretty stealth move. And then the Kluber trade, obviously, that went with that. Okay, Lucas Buck is Kluber the ace for twenty twenty. Could be, uh, absolutely could be. Um, I, I think they pencil him in probably. I th- there's a lot that say he'd be the ace. Um, he might pencil in at the third spot or the second spot. Um, I imagine. With Miner, the only left-hander in that rotation, that they're probably going to try to slide him in between. Those top three will probably go righty, lefty, righty. And so you would guess that Kluber would probably be the first one, and it would go Kluber, Lynn, uh, or uh, Kluber, Miner, Lynn, and then your other two fall back. Then you're going to go Gibson and and uh, uh, Lyle, uh, uh, Jordan Lyles is going to be your number five starter. Uh, but – yeah, I guess he is. The a, he could be. Um, spring training will say a lot. Let's see what happens spring training and how that goes. Um, okay, is the rotation set or will they trade pieces for bats? Uh, rotation set for now it is set. Uh, like we said, they could do something with Mike Miner, um, even if they got rid of one of the starters. Uh, Lance Lynn might be popular to somebody. He's controllable for two years and might might draw a little more after what he did last year. But I would – I would pretty well guess Rangers aren't going to move any of those five. Uh, they like that rotation going into it, and they love their rotation down there. So it's set. Um, will they trade pieces for bats? Um, they shown they will. Um, they did for you know. Look, I think I think nothing's off the table. I think they are looking to improve. JD still continues to say we are going to do something at third base. 
We're going to do something in center field. We're looking to do upgrades at those positions, even first base. So they are looking to do it, and trade is obviously a way they could go. Gallup Agus. Gallup Agus. Who would have a better career, Classe or Jolie? Jolie Rodriguez, who he's talking about. Who would have a better career? Uh, that's – okay. So Emmanuel Classe – on paper, looks like the guy that could end up being the bigger star. He could. I mean, look, he throws a cutter at 101 miles an hour. The spin rate on his fastball is 26, 2700 RPMs. It's crazy. So that means a 101-mile-an-hour ball looks like it's going 103, 104 when it's got a spin rate that high. Mike Miner has one of the highest spin rates in Major League Baseball, and he averages 25 to 2600. You know who else has a spin rate in that? Another left-hander, 25, 2600 spin rate, Joe Palumbo. He's another. That's why he strikes out a lot of guys. It jumps on you. He throws him and Joe Palumbo is a Mike Miner starter kit at 25, 26 years old. Uh, uh, Joe Palumbo is. So I, that's why I've always been so much higher on Palumbo than I have on Burke and Allard. Uh, Palumbo misses bats, but um, but yeah, Class A I think is the one. Now listen, Joely. Jolie, is that how you say it? Jolie Rodriguez, did y'all see his numbers? He's been in Japan for two. Now, he, he was in the Rangers organization a few years ago. He was in AAA for the Rangers back when they were in Round Rock. He struggled. Um, he was with the, uh, I think he was with the uh, Oreos. Um, but he ended up going to Japan for two years. And you see what he did for two years? He had a 1.80 ERA in Japan, and his fastball was 97 to 100 miles an hour, and he's a left-hander. Uh, that's, you've taken... Uh, Emmanuel Classe out, and you've brought in Jolie, uh, Jolie Rodriguez, and I don't know, we may not miss much there. Who's going to have the better career? Well, Classe's younger. He's only 22, you know, 21, 22, maybe uh, 23. He's a lot younger. Jolie's like 27, 28. Um, Classe has the potential to be the better to have the better career, but I really like the move. Uh, we had extra space to, to move there, and that's why with Rodriguez coming, that's why they made that move. Um, Ben Fries, Ben Fries said, What the heck is the hype with this steel guy? Uh, he's talking about Steel Walker, ETA to uh, 2021. Steel Walker's the guy they got for Nomar Mazzara. Um, you know what? JD doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with the with the minor league system. The minor league system has built back up. Uh, you know, baseball prospectus has them at number nine. They're number 14 on on, a, on another one. But they were down in the 20s uh, last uh, year before last. So we're already back up in the top half of the, the deal. Some of them have them in the top 10. But uh, Steel Walker, look, they the Mazzara trade was for one reason. They, they had too many bats. They had too many left-handed bats. You weren't going to get a lot from Mazzara. Hell, Mazzara wouldn't even start at the end of the year. I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. At the end of the year, he got like six starts. Um, the, you know, and the, some of them's because Joey was hurt. But they were playing the better players. They were trying to get Heinemann out there. They were trying to get Solak out there. They were all of that towards the end of the year. And there were no at-bats for, for Mazzara. And so um, Mazzara was not going to bring a big piece back. He just wasn't. So getting Steel Walker, he was number six on the White Sox uh, on the White Sox top 30 prospects in in, in uh, MILB, and he, he was number six. He's number 12 with the Rangers. So that tells you Rangers had better prospects than Steel, than Steel Walker was. The hype on him, he was supposedly the second best bat 
that year in the draft, second best college bat. He's also apparently a pretty flashy player. Likes to uh, put on a show when he's out there. He's not particularly great on defense. He's pretty good on defense. He's got really good control with the bat. He's starting to have a little pop. Look, he may not, he may never be anything more than a Delano DeShields, someone like that that's a fourth outfielder. I'm thinking Ryan Rua, someone like that. I don't know. But now he's here. He's probably going to start in double A. He's from Prosper, Texas, played for OU. Let's see. I mean, that's the hype. The, the fact that they got someone like that for Mazzara, but it cleared the roster spot, which is what they really needed to do. Josh Bobbitt. Josh Bobbitt, what are legit chances we get major league upgrade bat for the lineup? 100%. No, not 100. 90%. 90%, 95%. John Daniels isn't done. He's trying to get a big bat. Uh, where he gets the big bat, I don't know. I think there's conversations going with some teams right now, maybe teams we don't even know about. Um, I threw something out there. No, no one even talks about this. You know, look at uh, what's his name in San Francisco. They just traded for Cozart from the Angels to get another third baseman in there. They're sitting on uh, – on, uh, uh, what's his name's contract over there in in, in San Francisco? Um, uh, Longoria, Evan Longoria. You know Longoria last year he hit 254, he had 20 home runs, had a 762 ops. You know his career, his career ops is 809. But you know what if Longoria comes here? Uh, he's getting about 18 million a year. He's going to be a free agent in, in two years or three years. Um, you know he's 30. I believe he's 34. That's the same age as Donaldson. He's not at Donaldson's level right now, but he's going to be cheaper than Donaldson. He plays a good third base, but a lot of people don't like Longoria, but that's fine. But that there's someone right there that the Giants might be looking to move to dump some salary, maybe eat part of his salary, even do that. Um, yeah, I really think, Josh, I think they're going to get a bat somewhere. Maybe it's Castellanos. I don't know. But I, I think it's about 90 95% they're going to go get a bat, and, and a good bat. One way or the other. Ozuna might be someone they go get. I'd like to see him trade for Marte from the Pirates. They seem to be wanting to move some people. He's a good center fielder also. Okay, Garrett Wagner. Is Kyle Seeger a trade option for third? And what would it take and how long do they need to hold off before MILB guys, he's talking about Young and uh, Wenzel or Apostel, fill that spot? Um, Okay, so he's got three questions here, too. See, we picked up a lot of once top prospects. Do you feel J.D. sees potential other teams don't, or is it a depth move? And how do you feel about the offseason so far? I've answered that offseason one. I do like what they've done so far. They need to add some bats. I want to see that. Um, Kyle Seeger, I don't like him. Uh, I don't like Kyle Seeger. First of all, Kyle Seeger kills the Rangers at the old ballpark. Um, when he's not at the old ballpark, he is he is Ruggie Odor. Uh, almost. I mean, he plays good defense, uh, but Ruggie last year, I think he hits right around 200. Uh, you know, he, he's got a little bit of pop in his bat, but he is not his brother. Um, he is not that great a player. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Seager fan. What would it take to get Seager? Probably if you fill their Coke machine up and take on his salary, you could probably get him. Um, it, you know, Seager, look, he, he plays good defense. He does play good defense. But if you want to compare Seager to somebody, you, you know, somebody that plays good defense, Isaiah Counter-Felipha plays good defense. So you've got that guy on your roster. He can play good third base. Uh, he just doesn't hit good enough. So, you know, and, and Counter-Felipha's a right-handed bat. Um, so, you know, no, I, 
I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a I'm not a fan of Seager. I don't want to see Seager come here. Um, and I don't you know um, what what does he see in other prospects? Obviously, you trade for what you can get. Uh, it's not JD that sees it. It's the it's the scout. Scouts will come in and tell you what they see, what's there. They'll make their recommendations. When trades go down, you start a conversation. Names are thrown around. JD doesn't know off the top of his head about a player unless he's one of the top prospects out there. He immediately goes to his scouting department and his player development people, and they look at it and go, "Oh yeah, we we know this guy. We love this guy, or we don't." You know, and, and and that's where they go at it. So depending on what you're doing, uh, they always see something. They've they've seen potential in guys where they were underperforming. So look at what they did with the Rule Five draft when they got uh, when they got uh, Delano DeShields. He was underperforming with the uh, with the Astros. They picked him in the Rule Five. He played. Look, whether you you know you can love or hate the. D, uh, Delano DeShields, wonderful guy, just super sweet guy. But, you know, he played some good outfield, and, and he was he was fun. I like DeShields. He's actually more of a fourth outfielder on the team. But, man, he's a great guy. And, and picking that up off the scrap heap was good in that Rule 5 draft and how they do it. So it just really – you know, they went that year with uh, – what's his name? They turned into a relief pitcher. Uh, uh, tall, slender guy during the World Series. I'm drawing blank, guys. I'm sorry. Got a head cold, too. But last question. Let's go to that last question tonight. It's from Bobby Slovak. Joey Gallo was being groomed to be Adrian Beltre's successor at third base. Why did Joey decide that he no longer wanted to play that position? Okay. I've actually talked to Joey about this. So I've sat two feet from Joey when he talked about it. Joey likes the outfield. So here's the deal. You People come up positions that, you know, Joey was drafted as a third baseman coming up. The big talk wasn't even third base. I mean, yes, he was coming up as third baseman, but he wasn't the heir apparent for Adrian Beltre. I think a lot of people thought Joey was going to get here and play first base. That's where I thought, you know, Chris Davis was a third baseman that ended up a first baseman. Mark Teixeira was a third baseman that ended up a first baseman. We've got Josh Young. You've got Wenzel. You've got uh, Shirt and Apostel. All three of those guys could move over across the diamond if that's what you're going to do. Um, so Joey was doing that, but then Joey, that they were trying to find at bats for Joey, moved him to the outfield. He started playing some outfield at AAA, and then he came up here and started playing outfield. He likes the outfield. He is, look, he is a serviceable third baseman. He is a serviceable first baseman. He is six foot five. He's a big guy, guys. If you've never been close to him, I've stood inches from him. He's big. He's a big dude. Very big, muscular guy. He is better in the outfield. He is very athletic for his size, but that doesn't translate well at first and third in the hot corner. He is a he is a serviceable third baseman. He is a serviceable first baseman. He is a potential superstar outfielder. He's got a cannon for an arm. He throws 96, 97 miles an hour. He's got a cannon out there in right field. He doesn't need to play center field. He's, you know, it shows you how good an athlete he is. He has played center field, and he did good in center field. They don't want that big body in center field. It's hard on his body. But he could be a potential superstar outfielder. He could be one of these Bryce Harper-type players if, if it all comes together like it was before he got hurt last year. So Joey said, I like the outfield better. I think he feels that there's less pressure in the outfield. I think he's more at ease out there. Look, when you're on a hot corner, those balls are skyrocketed at you down the third baseline and the first baseline. Yes, he's good. He's good with that. He knows how to play that position. He knows how to do it. But it's a little 
it's a little easier to be out in the outfield um, out there and making plays out there, and he's he's better out there. And that that's what he's just – and the Rangers see him better as an outfielder. Okay, guys, that's the start of it right now. Look, we, we're going to keep an eye on this. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ranger Nation Pod. I'm at Ranger Nation Pod. Follow me there. I'll do some live stuff. I was there for the uh, when they took the batting practice. A lot of you guys joined me there. I really appreciate y'all listening tonight. I'm sorry I'm a little stuffed up. I've got some allergies that are kicking in with the weather change uh, doing that. Uh, but uh, heading out of town this weekend, heading to Illinois with the wife and the kids, and we're going to be at Grandma and Grandpa's up in the cold all next week. Uh, we won't put something together until we get back. But uh, I appreciate you all listening up. Uh, and like I say at the end of every episode and everything I ever write, oh, let me stop right there. Folks, have a great holiday. I don't care what you celebrate. You celebrate Hanukkah, have a happy Hanukkah. Have a happy Hanukkah. Have a uh, wonderful holiday. Have a Merry Christmas. Anything you celebrate, go enjoy your families. Be with them. Uh, big shout out now to uh, Jack Coleman. Jack's a kid that's in our Sunday school class that we've had since he was three years old and he was just diagnosed with cancer. Uh, we love you, Jack. We're praying for you. Uh, no parent should have to go through that. And we're going to be uh, looking out for you, big boy. But uh, like I say at the end of every episode, like I say at the end of everything I write, nerd out. <laughs>